three, two, one. Welcome to Pod BN. My name is Justin. Tyson is not here today, and I didn't think you guys wanted to hear me talk for an hour by myself. So I invited one of the most interesting people I know and uh, someone that I admire greatly. Monica Bullington is joining us today. Hello, Monica. Hi. You're a little biased. Uh, we are best friends. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Full disclosure well, on that. I mean, when when I was looking for someone to do the podcast with, since I was doing it by myself, like I'm like, well, I'll start here, and it worked out. So <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. Made that easy. You're welcome. So we were just talking. We record on Sundays. Uh, Most of you probably know that. And it's a rainy Sunday. So if we sound like we're half asleep, it's because at least I am. I've had a pot of coffee, but I'm usually two down by now. I know. I I had more coffee today than I usually ever do. And I'm still just as sleepy as if I just rolled out of bed, which I did actually technically just roll out of bed. But. Well, that's all right. I took a little break. <laughs> and you got work this afternoon on a Sunday, so no one's blaming you. Yeah, I pretty much work every day, so I don't mind if I take a nap in the middle of the day. So we better explain why you work every day. So introduce yourself a little bit and what you do for a living. Yeah, I am... I was going to say my name again, but I'm Monica Bullington. I'm a realtor at Remax Rising. I'm a team leader, so I have a team... Creatively called the Monica Bullington team at Remax Rising. Did not really think that through when I created a team. It made sense, but um, as far as I got. And I have two agents underneath me and an office manager, and we are pretty good. <laughs> We're doing pretty Just, good. Yeah. I think that's a good way to say that. Yeah. So how long have you how long have you been a realtor? I've been a realtor since um, fall of fifteen. Okay. And then I was on the Armstrong Burns team with John Armstrong and Noel Burns for two years. Um, and then I was I did one year on my own to kind of see like how's this gonna go. Uh, I was kind of scared of like sink or swim and. I swam. You did very well. I, yeah. I, I, to the point where I basically didn't see my husband for that whole year, um, but it went really well. So then I was like, well, I still like him, and I would like to continue seeing him. So I brought on an office manager and some agents to help share the load to make my quality of life a little bit better. And, oh, boy, has it. Yeah. So. I remember when you first started in real estate because I was in Rotary with your husband. And like every week, two weeks or so, you'd be <laughs> so excited. You'd have to share with everybody in the Rotary Club that you sold a house <laughs> um, every time. I so. forgot he was in Rotary because uh, yeah. it was such like a small blip. Uh, he did not do well with getting up early <laughs> back then. He's doing. He's like up and going now, but at the time, yeah, he was not a morning person, so I forgot that he did that, but he's such a good cheerleader, like, Mm. especially, like, early on, like, now he just, like, expects it, Um, but early on, I think he was pleasantly surprised at how well I did. Wow, this is working out really well. (laughs) Yeah, what's funny is um, we talked about me getting a a part-time job, like, Mm. as I was kind of trying this out, and when we say talk about, I mean, Tristan said this idea out loud, and that was us talking about it, and I never agreed to it, which is pretty much how most of our talks go. Tristan has an idea. I ignore him, and then he's like, I thought we talked about you doing this, and I'm like, no, you said it out loud. I never agreed to it. So he said I I should get a part-time job in case, you know, like we have some slow times or whatever, like during the holidays or something, and I completely ignored it, and I just blew everything out of the water, and he was like, okay, well, I guess still wish you would have done that, but I guess it worked out okay. Yeah. I mean... 
I, I, to be, I'm going to defend Tristan. I think all guys do that. <laughs> um, we, I think what happens is we have the full conversation in our head before we say anything out loud. You would just like anticipate your wife like agreeing with you, and then you say it out loud, and then nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But, well, yeah, it has worked out for you. You've won a couple of awards um, since you started. And by a couple, I mean quite a bit. But, um, <laughs> Nobody and, wants to hear those. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it, that's why I'm saying it, so you don't have to. But, yeah, you've won multiple awards. Um, you're co- consistently in the top um, whatever percentage, but top top tier, I would say, uh, of Realtors in Bloomington Normal. So that's uh, one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because our last podcast that it was uh, Tyson, Jeremy, and I, we talked a lot about just how crazy the real estate market is recently. Yes. Um, you know, houses selling really like they're putting the for sale sign and the sold sign in the yard at the same time, it seems like, uh, in certain neighborhoods. So we had talked about, hey, maybe we should get a realtor on. So again, when Tyson said uh, he couldn't make it, I thought that was a good opportunity to do that. So your life's probably been extra busy um, since this market's been yeah. kind of crazy. It's um, it's inconsistent. If you if you have a you know if I'm going to list a house, I do a lot of work up front. There's a lot that people don't see to get it staged, priced, the marketing, all that stuff that goes done. Like gets to do a quick sale. There's a ton of work that we do before you even list the house. So you see like oh wow like that they sold it really quickly. And it's because of all that work that the homeowners and myself and my team have done to get it ready. But then with buyers, you a new house comes up and you just drop what you're doing and go. So if there's no new houses coming up, you're kind of just sitting waiting and then you get one and it's, I mean, there's so many memes and gifts and stuff on the yeah. internet now. It's like, go, 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 go. I mean, you drop what you're doing and you run out the door with one shoe on and <laughs> you get to the house, which is what I'm doing later today. <laughs> so how long has the market been like this? When did it make that shift? It really shifted in 2021. Okay. So. Um, yeah. Like 2020 was weird in its own way. As you know, bought your house. Yeah. <laughs> we got your house right. Uh, you were closing right as all the shutdown was March, happening. We closed, yeah. yeah. Or was it May? I don't no, know. No, it was March, March, I think. So, yeah, you had about two weeks before, like, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, um, I mean, we closed, like, you couldn't come to the closing. Yeah. Um, it was just us in there. And yeah, so it, then it, like, so the market was really quiet for a while because everybody's figuring stuff out. And then everybody figured it out. It, we exploded. We figured out how to do. You know, showings with masks and to sanitize everything, and um, just we put a lot of precautions in place, and we just figured it out. I did Zoom listing appointments, Zoom uh, buyer like consultations, and honestly, that was a huge. I mean, that made a huge difference in my business last year, which is why I did so well last year, is because I adapted really well. But then we just ate away at the inventory. Like, people realized their job was safe. They wanted to move. They realized they were going to work from home. They wanted to move. Like, there were so many things. I bet the working from home, like, sparked some people wanting to move also. Yes. It didn't necessarily spark me moving, but I can tell you that, like, working from home in my old house would have been much more difficult than in this house. Well, and, like... Yeah, one spouse maybe had worked from home before, and now both of them are, and they don't have these open concept houses. Maybe weren't such a great idea now because no, ever, nobody can find a quiet room in their house to like get away from each other when they're on calls. So we ate, ate down inventory through like the end of the year a little bit, and then 2021 hit, and like everybody just was like, "Oh, I guess this is we're done with this COVID thing. We're just gonna go crazy and." I mean, we had a lot of sellers that didn't want to put their homes up. We had many years of not building houses. 
So we're just constantly eating away or not bringing in inventory, and buyers are on the move. Interest rates are great. So 2021, it just was a whole different monster. I mean, it's from really early on in the year. So when I'm comping at houses, like, I'm only looking at 2021 sales because if I go back to 2021, it's not relevant anymore. Yeah. And on top of that, which a lot of those things are happening like nationwide in different communities, but like on top of that, we're having job growth yeah. too because of Rivian hiring everybody. Yeah. Um, and State Farm announced they were just hiring more people over there too. So yeah, add, added stuff on there. And you said a lot that I want to unpack. I was writing notes as you were talking. so um, <laughs> I get very excited. That's okay. That's all right. I, I'll slow down and kind of backtrack a little bit. So one of the things um, that I talked about a lot with COVID was the ability for certain businesses to be able to pivot and how quickly they were able to do that and the impact that it had on their business compared to some of their competitors' business. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned like doing the Zoom stuff. Um, how quickly did you adapt to that compared to some of your competitors and how much does that attribute to your success today, you know, a year later? I think I, well, I had my probably two week, two to four week pity party <laughs> where I sat at home and my husband was like, you going to do anything today? And I was like, well, I can't. And I just, you know, um, that's when I learned uh, video editing and Adobe and Photoshop and all that stuff. I taught myself all that during that period. Um, but I would say it was within the month I had figured out a lot of that stuff. I had a lot of time to think. I had a lot of quiet time, you know, just we don't have kids. So yeah. it was just quiet. We, I didn't have the usual go, go, go that I did. So I had a lot of thinking time. So I would say pretty early on, within 30 to 60 days, I probably had figured out a lot of the video stuff. Um, Zoom, you know, was kind of starting to be a thing. Um, I also did YouTube videos. So I recorded myself giving my buyer presentation and then I uploaded it to YouTube. And then when clients wanted that, like they wanted to get started, I would say the first thing you need to do is watch these two videos. Because my buyer consultation, part of it is really getting to know the buyer. But then there's some stuff that I say the same every time. The contract explanation of how the appraisals work and inspections work and all that stuff, that's the same. So that was easy to share that. Um, and I that was I want to say it was April because I remember one of my first clients I gave that to. It was pretty early on. So I think it was April when I figured that out. Um, but I was sad for the agents that didn't take advantage of the change. They kept wanting to make it how it was. Yeah. And I realized that was not going to happen. Or they stayed in the pity party phase. Like I saw yeah. several do that too. Like, well, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. And I think maybe some of that is like age or like maybe not age, but your distance in your career like people towards the end a lot of the older agents that have been doing this for 20 years they're kind of over the new technology they're they're gonna they don't want to learn the new stuff not all of them but some of them um versus the younger agents that realize i gotta like do this for a long time still so i can't let this just get in my way um so i had the best year ever um, because I really took out a lot of the extra stuff and I found the efficiencies in the stuff that I could repeat using video um, and the places where I couldn't really connect with people in person. Um, I used technology, it's a program called BombBomb and it's not real estate related, but it's basically a marketing email system platform with video. So I can send videos to my clients via email and text 
without having to worry about like, you know, sending videos on your phone, downgrading like the SMS or whatever that well, stuff is. So. I think that's so much easier for the consumer now too, because COVID made them have to like before, if you sent a link to somebody, there was a certain percentage of people that wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like you send a zoom uh, meeting, yeah. they'd be like, what is this? But yeah. now almost everybody can log on to zoom. Yeah. Uh, they were forced to do that. So because you adapted that early, like people are, you're, you're used to that system. Yeah. And, that process and I already. still use it. I love, I do listing paperwork a lot via zoom. Um, clients have, you know, schedules where their kids are in bed or, you know, whatever. I can do it via Zoom after their kids go to bed at 8 o'clock. I'm in my house in my pajamas, <laughs> you know, and it's actually kind of a really um, personal connection that we can see each other in our homes and really be down to earth and do the paperwork. I can pull it up, screen share, so they can see the documents that I'm explaining to them. Like, I love doing that, and I still write offers via Zoom. Um, and Anna on my team, she has sold two houses actually just doing Zoom showings for the client that's out of state because they can't get here in time to look at houses. And they're going too fast. Yeah, yeah. so it's like she will go... Just walk through the house. Yeah, <laughs> and, and what's great is she really gets their attention to, like, look at this thing I'm trying to show you because sometimes clients are all over the place. So, like, she has a lot of control over, like, what they see and say, I want you to realize that this... And crack is here or whatever this window is fogged or whatever it is um so it's been really good i i don't want to lose a lot of those tools i'll probably pay for zoom for a long time yeah well i mean to your point like it, it's more efficient right like you can have many more meetings with people because yeah. they don't I, have to leave their kitchen counter well i talked to um an agent in uh peoria she's same kind of um she does as much business as me same size team as me kind of just the Peoria version of me. And she was like, how do you get all this done? And I'm like, I have templates for everything. There are certain things I'm going to tell every single homeowner, but you know, cause they need to understand how their taxes are prorated and stuff like that. That's the same thing I'm going to tell everybody. The only distinction is like, do you escrow your taxes or not? That's a slightly different conversation, but like I can template so much stuff. Um, and have it ready to go. So, yeah, efficiency, I've saved so much time. And you're just a process person in general. Yes, so. I love a system. And my uh, my office manager, Kelly, she loves a to-do list. She's got her little checklists. And, man, she can knock stuff out. She is so efficient that I almost can't believe. Like, I feel like I should pay her more because she's, like, costing herself money by being so efficient. <laughs> Did you find anything in COVID and try to do anything during that 2020 year that didn't work out? Um, because what I, what I think is cool, and, and I want to make sure people realize that, that like the point that we're trying to make is that you saw this huge like COVID thing happen. And like you said, you might have had a pity party for a couple of weeks, but then you took that opportunity to what can I do that's going to help my business? You learned technology and you started implementing that right away where your competition, a lot of them, didn't or were behind you in that process. And that's what made which is just crazy to think that 2020 was your best year ever. Yeah. I know. I don't like pandemic. saying that. Like, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, when... you felt guilty probably the first few times you said it because so many people had an awful year. Yes. Um, but, I mean, it's, it says something. Like, it says something about your mentality and the process and what you do things. So, but is there anything that you tried as you were, like, scurrying around, like, thinking, okay, I got to pivot. I got to figure this out that you're like, oh, that didn't work out too well. Uh, nothing is coming to mind. 
um, plenty of things haven't worked out overall. <laughs> That's like owning a business. But yeah. specifically in the last like year related to COVID, I'm not con- I am not coming up with anything. Yeah, I always like when I was an insurance agent, everybody's like, "Oh, your your marketing's great." I'm like, "You have no idea how much money I've wasted on poor yeah. marketing." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like because like, I try things right, and you try them and they don't work. And I'm like, "Well, I'm not doing that again." Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I was just curious if specifically to 2020, if maybe you tried like a pro software or anything that like well, I didn't work out like I wanted it to. Um. Yeah. Nothing's coming to mind. I'll let you know if I think of any That's failures fair. later. That's fair. <laughs> One of the other things you mentioned earlier that um, was always a conversation right when COVID started, when people started working from home, is like maybe this open floor plan isn't yeah. <laughs> isn't the right way to go. So are you seeing more of that? Are you seeing people looking for specific offices or base, you know finished basements are more important? Those type of things. Yeah. We're we're definitely like when I'm talking to the buyer about what they're looking for, and they'll say three bedrooms or four, whatever the number is. I'm always clarifying, which I did actually do before because I do like to understand why they need the space because it helps me understand if they can use a different room, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, but specifically, like this past year has been, what are you going to use these rooms for? Like, literally, I want to know like one guest room, two kids' rooms, and one of these rooms is an office, or like, what is it? Um, because it does make, like, there are some people that will use the bedrooms as an office, and one of them gets the bedroom, one of them gets the dining room kind of thing. So My wife I mean, has a bedroom, and I have the basement. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, like, the open dining rooms, people are okay with those dining rooms. I think it really depends on the doorways. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are some that are really easy to retrofit, like, doors onto. Mm-hmm. Any curved archway, it's like, well, that's going to be a lot more work to put a door on like an arched you know doorway or something like that but like the rectangle ones like all right sweet (laughs) we can put some french doors on here um yeah or if there's two you know two ways into the dining room i mean there's all these different things that people are so have you been in many new construction homes since covid are they starting to kind of steer away from some of those open floor plans or not yet um not that i've seen they're mostly calling what Nobody uses the dining room for, like, an actual dining room anymore. So now when you look at floor plans and stuff, that room is always called the flex room. Hmm. And it's, yeah, ready to be an office or a dining room. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So, like, they're realizing that a a lot of people don't like dining rooms anymore, Um, especially when you have, like... I mean, your house has the same thing. You have this little eat-in space right next to your formal, and it's, like, 10 feet away Mm -hmm. to have those, you know, tables next to each other. And, like, people just don't host formal dinners anymore. (laughs) Like, like, they have people over, but it's, like, let's gather around. Yes. This informal space. We're never, like, we barely use our dining room, too, you know. Um, We have the same problem, but there's only so many living rooms you can have. Um, and yeah, then the other, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think about that all the time. Like it was really cheap, but, um, that's a lot of house for us. But, and then the other thing is like those big bathroom tubs. There's yeah. so many, like you have one I too. <laughs> Can't wait to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. Like you put these big tubs in and like 90% of people, but then every once in a while I'll get one client that's very specifically well, want one. the bathroom tub or they really specifically want the dining room. Like, yeah. so it, it's definitely a small percentage, but those are the two big things that I think people used to put in every house. And now it's like, uh, yeah. Cause I mean, we looked when we were looking at houses, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we've looked at this floor pan of this house at least five or six times. Yeah. Right? Like, and it's, you know, it's popular for a reason. Like it's functional. Yeah. Like yeah. you have a, 
good use of space and everything. But um, yeah, it's. Yeah, so the tub that we just, uh, I'm all for big tubs, and we're going to probably replace this with a big tub, but like we have like that jacuzzi, like, is that what you call it? The width is good. It's It's a short short tub. Yeah, it's very short. (laughs) I haven't been in it. I know, I I think my wife's taken a few baths in it, but not a lot. Um, Yeah, the the master bath is a remodel project that's on the list. So is the dining room. It's just funny (laughs) that, like, I'm always in my friends' houses, and I'm like, wouldn't normally know what my friend's bathtub situation is, but because I'm your realtor, it's <laughs> right. not weird. Yeah, it's true. That's true. So we talked about newer houses getting built, and that was one of the subjects that got brought up at the last podcast is we were talking about jobs and future growth and sprawl and all those words that Tyson and I like to throw around a lot. But what would what would be like an impact, in your in your opinion, of – we're short on housing now, so developers are going crazy right now. They're like, let's get these houses built because we need housing. Um, but then it always seems like we might take always to go a step too far, right? Now we got too many houses, and it's always this back and forth. Um, what, what impact does that have on the current market situation? Like, as we're building, you're probably selling just as quickly as they're building, I would assume. Yeah. How long does that usually take to catch up and then... Is there a tipping point where it's like, all right, now we got too many houses yeah. and this is the other problem? Um, you know, I think oh, it's going to take a while. So because we're at such an inventory shortage, so I think I mentioned off air, we have in Bloomington Normal the past couple months, we've been fluctuating between like 75 and 85 homes actively for sale in Bloomington Normal. <sighs> Total. That's crazy. Total. So that's not even, you put in like a price filter and like a two or three car garage, like that you've got five houses. Right. And so, and that's why, like, we used to, like, okay, we're going to go look on Saturday. I've got this list of six houses we're going to go look at. And now it's, like, one at a time. Like, we're going out as houses are coming up. So it's definitely a different buying experience. Um, This time last year, we had about 250 homes on the market. And then I think I was telling you two years ago, it was about 500. So a third of what it was two years ago? Yeah. Or a third of what it was... No, really. I mean, yeah, a third of, yeah, it was, I mean, so yeah, that's, it's going to take a long time for that to bounce back to a balanced market. So we've got a while to go. And people are probably less picky today, I would imagine, just because of the way the inventory is. But have you seen anything, um, trends as far as like where people want to move in Bloomington Normal? Is it more, you know, still east where all the development happened in the 90s? Or is it more urban um, towards the cores of downtown Bloomington and uptown normal? Um, I would say, I mean, I I think my view is probably a little skewed because my core group of like people that come to me that are like me, that want to work with me, tend to have the same values as me, which is be near downtown or uptown, like older homes. So a lot of my business is done in the 01 zip code or near uptown, and that's just a product of my sphere and where my business comes from. But I can say there's still a huge demand. Like, the Grove is still hugely popular. Like, I mean, just ridiculous amounts of competition to get one of those houses. Um, but this is the first time I've really seen an interest in the West Side in the five or six years that I've been doing real estate. So, Which could really benefit the West Side, right? Yeah. Because you have new people coming in there that's going to want to help you know, revive some of that, some of the homes there. Yeah, I'm um, really excited to see some stuff go that way because I, I, it, 
Well, and what's so funny is there's so many people like, I want to be in a good neighborhood. And I'm like, well, you're going to spend $300,000. Like, you're <laughs> going to be in a good neighborhood. Like, and you're going to yeah. be in a good school district. And let's be honest, we're Bloomington normal. Like, that's what I was going to say. There's not a real bad neighborhood. Yeah. So, normal. like, I kind of have to remind people, like, okay, well, you're coming from, you know, wherever you're coming from. But in Bloomington normal, like, you're good. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's not that much variation. I mean, I know people have their preferences and stuff, but sure. I think we need to remind them that you know this isn't a highly segregated community where things are super different. So, yeah. Before you got here, I was just looking up stuff to kind of chat to you about, and I know uh, Realtor.com had some stats on there where, as of August 2020, so it's it's a bit old. Um, urban listing price growth of urban areas was 7.7%, um, which was four basis points higher than suburban, uh, area. So, um, basically they're seeing home prices go higher in more urban areas. Yeah. Is, is that, does we, that relate so, to, to this area? Um, yeah, we kind of look at stats. Um, we look at Bloomington normal and then kind of surrounding McLean County areas. I particularly do most of my business in Bloomington normal. So I'll be honest, I don't pay a lot of attention to rural. I know that there's just not a lot that moves out, you know, in the rural areas here to begin with. Um, so yeah, I think when I looked at the stats, so we have our association stats through, um, from like May of this year, year to date and all that. And we were, up. Uh, like twelve percent more home sales over last year, um, but then the value I don't think was quite that high. I, I didn't write anything down. No, that's fair. That's uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I mean I find that I know like a home. I, you probably remember more than I do. Do you remember what we bought this house for? It was like two twenty five, two thirty ish range. I think. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, and the, a home just around the corner, like four four houses, was three oh nine. It sold for the other day. Yeah. Um, Is that the one that I was uh, it's looking at? Around. The oh corner. no, not that one. Yeah. 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 So I mean, it makes me wonder if I should sell my house, but then I wouldn't have anywhere to live because I can't find another one. Yes. Yeah, so that's <laughs> well, and that's the conversation I have with people: is okay, you want to sell your house? Which direction are you going? Are you going to buy a more expensive house, or are you going to buy a less expensive house? And most of the time, people are buying like not a lot of people downsize right now, so. Yeah. They're buying a more expensive house. So I'm like, well, this will be great. It's going to be so much fun to sell your house. It's going to be really hard to buy. And so the first conversation we have is, where are you going? Like, what's your plan? Can you buy your next house without selling this one? Right. And the best pe- the best experience people have is a if they just are selling and just happen to have a different house already um but b you know if you can buy before you can sell because yeah. right now nobody wants to take a contingent offer so you're you know living with your friend or your parents or somebody in between or a extended stay airbnb i mean there's people that are like begging for any short term housing because they can't find something quick enough and yeah. nobody wants to settle when you're paying so much more for a house, you know, so they... That's true, too. Like, I, I mean, unless you absolutely have to buy a house right now, like, I mean, you're paying a premium, right? Yeah. Like, and, and like I said, you could you you have to be less picky because there's just less out there. Yeah. I mean, the sellers are getting away with, like, things that I would have told clients last year. Yeah. So different now. I mean, like, yeah, it's probably not a reason someone's going to buy your house. Like, I mean... It, 
there's some things that just you can't get away with. Big ticket stuff. I mean, people still don't like the idea of painting siding, you know, so that's always a big one. Or having to do a roof or a septic system. Like, those are the big ones. Everybody's like, I don't want to spend my money on that, but I guess if I have to. <laughs> well, I guess if it's that or homeless. I, yeah. Like, <laughs> I guess I will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you're working with buyers, um, what's the length of time that you – have been working with buyers this year compared to like two, three years ago because there's just so much less inventory that it's probably more difficult for them to find. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I think I've had more buyers this year kind of, they kind of jump into it and then they're kind of like burned out. So then they'll be like, oh, we're going to hold out for a little bit, but then I'll get a call when something, cause they always kept checking. Yeah. Realtor. That's the most fun thing to do is check. How, yeah. I still do it. So <laughs> yeah. So like every once in a while, I sent, I sent my wife a $750,000 house the other day. Oh, no. I mean, I'd be happy to help. You with <laughs> <I bet> that. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, it's hard because you're, you're kind of emotionally, you get tight when you're writing an offer, you clearly want that house, like, and so when you if you don't get it, it kind of burns you a little bit, and so then it's hard to jump back into it. So you, if you're putting in a couple offers and not getting them, it mm-hmm. does kind of wear on you. So you might take a little break. So I've had some people kind of jump in and out, or just say, "I'm going to wait till the fall," or you know. And that's, I mean, there are several people. Where I'm like, yeah, you should probably you should probably wait. Like it's okay. Like we don't have to do this. It's not really in your best interest to overpay for a house right now. Is there a big attitude change? Um, I don't know if attitude's the right word. Is there a big change mentally between a first-time home buyer and a second-time home buyer? Um, yeah, so I think a first-time home buyer, well, somebody that's bought a couple houses, they are so much more likely to waive inspections or appraisals or you know take it as is or something like that because they're like, I've been through... I bought houses. I have the money. I can fix stuff as it comes up. Nothing's going to surprise me. I mean, especially in a lot of these, you know, well-kept 10-year-old $300,000 houses. Yeah. Like, what are you going to find? Right. Knock on wood. But, you know, for the most part, they feel like they're going to they're gonna be okay. So they can come in way more aggressive because they just feel comfortable. And then you have the first-time home buyers that are totally afraid to – compete and say, yeah, I'll do as is, or I'll do, you know, X over. So, and the conversation I have with them is, is this your forever house? Is this your like two year house? Because I don't want you to overpay a ton for a house that you know, you plan on getting rid of soon. Yeah. But yeah, they are definitely less aggressive than those experienced home buyers. It's the first time putting, you know, having a mortgage, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I, I could see all the cautious thoughts. That, that yeah. I, I know when we bought our first house, um, which was on the west side, we had put an offer in like two blocks further away than the house we ended up buying. And we really liked that house and we lost that offer. And I remember like that was super sad and we were upset for like two, three weeks. And then we finally found the other one and we put an offer and got accepted. And then I remember this buying experience, we put an offer in on a house and we lost it and we're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just remember it not being a big deal to us yeah. um, because we just had the mentality all the way of, like, we're going to find something. Yeah. And yeah, it's a house. 
Yeah, I like, loved working with you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think the because when you first time home by, I think you always have the thought of like you're going to be here for a long time. It's going to be a you know huge investment. You want to make sure everything's perfect and all of that. And it was just much more casual. I think my second time through. So. Yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> so another thing I, I wrote down, that I just wanted to. This is a. I'm not looking for stats from you. I just want your overall feel and opinion. Is some of the things we talk about because Tyson and I are both on planning commission. And we talk about things like bike lanes and the Constitution Trail and, and all those kind of amenities uh, that this community has. And I'll just throw some stats out to get the conversation going. But from, uh, was it West westlinevillage.com said 2% price premium if your house is near a pedestrian trail. Or I'm sorry, that's a, a bike trail. Um, americantrails.org said 73%. Uh, real estate agents believe that homes that are near a tra- trail, a uh, pedestrian trail, would be easier to sell. So we have the Constitution Trail here. Um, we have some bike lanes, more normal than I think we do in Bloomington. Um, what? How big of a deal is that, especially because you said you sell most of your homes near downtown and uptown markets? Um, how big a deal is that when you're showing houses and that kind of thing? Is there a premium that's usually put on those? Um, yeah, that'd be hard to say. But I know, like, anecdotally, I know, anecdotally, Anecdotally, Anecdotally. whatever. Um, I do have several clients that I can point to that we were very aware of the where the trail was in relation to their house. Like the um, the guy that I'm seeing after this, he we did write an offer and he did not get it, so we're back at it. Um, but the one of his big considerations is, can I do a five minute errand, and how easily can I get on the trail to run or do I have a neighborhood to run through pretty easily to get to the trail? So yeah. um, I would say it's definitely a conversation I have with at least 50% of my clients. It, it's definitely something that comes up a lot. Yeah. I mean, and those, those things are always controversial uh, for some reason. Um, and especially the bike lanes, because I think, uh, well, Constitution Trail is too, whenever they want to put money into it to expand the trail, there's people that don't use the trail that don't want to use spend yeah. money on it, which I get if you don't use, I suppose. But they're still reaping a reward for it if the homes are selling at a premium that are near those trails because that's more tax dollars coming back that they can use for other things as well. So those are just points that I always like to make whenever I can. Well, and like (laughs) when I'm showing a house, like I'm super familiar with most of the neighborhoods in Bloomington normal now. Like if you give me a street like name, I can probably have a pretty good idea of where it is. Um, But when my clients don't, and so like I'm teaching them about and Tristan's the same way because he'll he doesn't know where anything is, and I'm like, oh, it's you know right here, and you go through here. So like the average consumer or home buyer doesn't know some of these specifics about neighborhoods. So the conversation we're having when they're looking at a house is like, so does this go anywhere? Is this like by itself? And so I'll say, you know, this is kind of its own little thing here. You're really not leaving the neighborhood. You might have plenty of walking like streets and stuff to go down in the neighborhood. But outside the neighborhood, you're going to have to get on busy roads. So you're never really going to do that kind of thing. So if recreation like that is important to them, I'm making sure that they realize, like, you don't have a lot of ways to get out safely. Like, if they have small kids and they're worried about, like, crossing big streets and stuff. So Yeah, and, I mean, a lot of it's just, like, well, where you work. Like, we have our biggest employer, State Farm, which one of corporate offices just west of veterans the other one is, is east of veterans um which is fifteen thousand people you know yeah. that, that so them being east side of town um where there might be a little bit more small might make some sense 
And if you do that, you're probably further away from the trails and the bike lanes and that type of stuff. So if you like it for recreation, that might be an issue. Like I know the grow, we, you brought that up earlier. Like it's pretty far away from everything else. Cause it's kind of by itself in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. but the community itself, like if you have kids, they can roam around that community I mean, I have, free range. I have clients that just closed like two months ago. They have, you know, grade school kids. And we, oh, that's what, we were there Easter weekend. And they had were doing some sort of Easter event. And they could just see all of the kids, their kids' ages. They're all going out to like do this event together. And yeah. I mean, they... Eyes, their <laughs> eyes lit up. They were like, this is amazing. Like the neighborhood they came from, they just didn't have any like kid friends, right. you know? And so they were so excited to have those, those built-in friends. Yeah. I mean, so again, it just comes back to like what you, what you value more and how you prioritize. Those yeah. I'm not going to go live out in the Grove. You're not going to go live out in the Grove, but I mean. I didn't think I'd move as far east as I did. So. I, that's true. I, I never say never. That. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when we first started looking at houses, it was like, we just gradually got expanded more and more to what we wanted. Yeah. I I also fall on the the problem of, I see what my clients get excited about. So like I can very easily sell myself on ideas because they get really excited about it. And so then I'm like, oh yeah. And then we can go, you know, and I'm like acting like I'm part of the family. Like, (laughs) and then we can go, you know, bike riding down the street and play uh, basketball. And that guy's, you know, court over there. And I'm always inviting myself over to like the neighbor's pools. And I don't know those people, but like. Yeah, I just put myself in their shoes, and I'm like, I could see how you would like this. Well, I mean, I could tell you that being in the neighborhood we're in, we're close to the trail, and that was a big deal, especially during COVID, um, just because yeah. being outside and giving you something to it's do. It's very important. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's just interesting to me on where people's minds go when they're making those big purchasing decisions like that. Cause yeah. There's always something after you move into a house, right? That you're like, oh, this is super cool. I love my house. I wish there was this. Though. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. There's and, and for me, um, one of the things is just I I came from a place that I could walk downtown within like ten minutes. Yeah. And there's like not too many places I can walk yeah. safely, <laughs> um, outside of the trail, obviously. But um, yeah, you can like walk, but there's no destination. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I can't like walk to get ice cream somewhere. Yeah. Um, where I could at my old place. Yeah. Things like that. So. It's you trade off some stuff for some other yeah. things. But I am excited. Like Rivian has been a huge, I mean, draw for Westside. I mean, anytime I have a listing on Fox Creek or something, I mean, I can almost guarantee it's going to be either State Farmer or Rivian because I mean, obviously it's a great location for State Farm if you go to um, South or yeah, Rivian right now. I mean, they're loving those parts of town. I mean, I'm hearing Rivian is keeping has kept our hotels in business. Over, yes, over COVID. Yeah, um, so they are packed, and like if you ever see a tour bus uptown, it's probably got a bunch of Rivian employees taking them to work. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, like I mean, it's. Uh, do you think the style? Of, because I remember when Rivian first came, before they started like this really big hiring uh, phases that they've been going through, is like the talk was the type of people that are be working for Rivian, like they're going to be recruiting a lot of people from like the West Coast and those mm-hmm. type of things, and so they want efficiency condos and they want to be close to downtown. And I remember like uh, before the state farm building had any occupancy at all, they're like, maybe we should do that there because that would help uh, house some of these Rivian people. Do you like, but you're saying like Fox Creek there. Yeah, they're, no, I wouldn't say I have heard any talk of like, yeah, any downtown efficiency condo esque yeah. talk. Um, I am hearing 
people that are coming from other places that are like, holy heck, your houses are so cheap. And they're the people that come in super aggressive because they could overpay $20,000, $30,000 for a house, and it's still cheaper than anything that they... And probably a lot bigger than what they're used to. Yeah, so they see a huge value. And so to them, like, they don't care if they overpay. I mean, that's a huge generalization, at least in the experience (laughs) that I have seen. um, But on the other side of, I mean, they come in super aggressive if they come from a high cost of living market and they're like, oh my gosh, this is so cheap. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess I didn't think about that angle of it, of like if they're probably in a smaller place if they're in a more expensive market like you know out west somewhere yeah. and they get here and they see how much they can afford and how much yeah. house that gets them yeah that that's attractive like i sold one in fox creek and i'm pretty sure it was a rivian and i don't even know if they saw it in person till after like they the realtor was doing um like i think she did facetime showings and so yeah they didn't even see the house till they bought it um and they loved the location like didn't bat an eye at price, you know? I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So I, I think that's probably where I see, I'm seeing more new construction in Fox Creek than I've never noticed before. Um, our new well, they just got a new phase approved last year, I think. Yeah. And I'm still seeing stuff like filling in. Oh, in um, yeah. So in, in new construction in general, this is the first year I have worked with sellers who have been the original owners of their homes that have sold for more than they bought. Yeah. That has never happened, and the other five years I've ever worked with anybody with new, con- like that bought their house new, um, and I think I have had three sellers this year that were the original owners and just blew their. And it it was unheard of. You would never over, you would never pay more than the the new cost of the house. Never. Right. And this is the first year I've actually seen that, and like significantly out in the Grove. Um, so yeah, I think that's. A really weird turn of events to actually see the cost of a new house go up is just weird. So how long does it take for a new house to start appreciating then? Like, because if, if it normally depreciates those first right. five years, like, does it take 10 years, 20 well, years? Well, I mean, I've had, the ones that I did were, two of them were five years old, and then one of them, like, they were in it for, like, 13 years or something like that. And he actually, um, no, it was, it was, he bought during the, like, 2008, a great time to overpay for a house um, and he's still I mean we got so much more for his house now but I mean if you bought something even last year I think you could sell it this year yeah. I mean maybe not too many years going forward but if you bought pre 2021 and sold you're going to see some great appreciation what about what about investors have you seen a lot of investors start buying up houses um with the hope of the rental market staying high because obviously they're probably overpaying on some of the real estate, so it's a gamble. But Yeah, and that's something and I don't work with a ton of investors. The ones that I've worked at definitely were paying close attention because you are paying a lot more. But I've even had – I've been on the sell side where a buyer was an investor, and he came in twenty grand under and then realized there was, I think – I had a total of 11 offers, so 10 other offers. <laughs> so their offer kept jumping up because, you know, an investor's instinct is, like, obviously to buy below market value. And he was kind of in his old ways of, <laughs> you know, you pay less than list price. And then it became clear, like, well, no, if you want this house, like, the value is actually much higher. So yeah. they ended up getting it. And they were the ones that did as is. 
Um, and I think we sold it for like, this was pretty low, like a $130,000 house, but like overpaid by 10, eight or $10,000. And so that was. Because the rental market is high now too, right? Because of the same reason, like yeah, there's just no housing. Nobody built anything for yeah. so long because they couldn't. I mean, no blame. You couldn't really make any money building anything. So, um, yeah, we definitely have a rental shortage and like affordable, like <laughs> affordable housing, affordable rentals, nice quality. Like yeah, those don't seem to go together. But yeah, we need more of everything right now. Yeah. It's I, and well, you when did you buy? Because you have a rental property. When did you purchase? That? Uh, we let's see. That was August. It was the end of August when we put in the offer of 2020, and we closed uh, the end of October. So it was still pretty like people hadn't figured out the COVID thing yet. Yeah. It was still kind of like people were clearly happy to like sell their houses still. Right. If I were trying to buy it this year, I would suspect I'd pay a lot more. I know um, a friend of a friend um, who was telling me that they lived in a well-known, I won't name the apartment, but well-known apartment complex in town, and they just increased the rent significantly on them because they can. Uh. Oh, my gosh. So I saw um, there was a short-term rental somebody posted in the MLS, and the price was, like, absurd. Mm. And they were offering basically, like, if you want a year's, you know, you want to do a year, it's this price. And then, which most people do, if you offer a short-term, con- you know, convenience of a six-month lease or a four-month or three-month, the price just went up and up. And the original price was probably twice what yeah. it should have been. And then you add in the convenience cost of, oh, I'll let you do a four-month lease. It was astronomical. Like, I never saw inside the house, but, like, based on what I knew about the square footage and the quality of it, I mean, it was like crime like yeah <laughs> like i could not in good faith like ever be like, okay with that like but i think they're just thinking somebody from out of town is going to come in and they need a house so yeah it is what it is kind of thing yeah it's so many things are weird i mean obviously we've talked a lot about housing and renting but like cars are the yeah. same way like used cars right now are going yeah um going at a premium um where i was looking up to maybe sell my car and get more than i that more than i paid for it not just more than i owe on it um so a client of mine actually told me that he did that yeah and it worked out really well for him and i was like justin was just talking yeah. about this i just i mean i see those numbers and it makes me it gives me you know Thought, you feel like, yeah, think. there's this opportunity here. Like, right. do I is, take it? Is the work worth the profit that yeah, I'll gain on it is always the question. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just weird, weird times. And what about interest rates? Because interest rates have been low since, you know, COVID and all that happened. Yeah. Is there any indication on those going up um, or, you know, soon? I don't know how – you know how that works probably better than I do. Yeah, but. I mean, I think – they're always kind of gentle with those yeah. uh, increases, so I think that they're probably. I would guess that by the end of the year it would be a little bit higher, but yeah. I don't think it would be substantially. Right. I mean, I just remember like we bought our house again in March of 2020, and it like makes sense to refinance like already. Yeah. Like, that I mean, kind of is, that you kind of locked stuff is in crazy. your rate before like things really kind of bottomed out. Um, when we so our rental. We got a 3.5, and it was high because it was an investment um, rate. And we thought about refining. Refi rates are higher than purchase rates. So if you were buying a single family, like, you know, 
home for yourself, your rate's going to be the lowest out of anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a really good time to refi still, though, and yeah. purchase. So then I have clients that are doing the math on, okay, we may be paying more for a house than we would, but our interest rate is lower. So, like, I mean, a savvy buyer is doing the math on it might make sense to overpay for a house now to get a lower interest rate than wait for the interest rate to go up. And appreciation is still going to be a thing, you know, so yeah. it might make sense to go now. You just kind of have to look at your own numbers. Right. So we had, like, a huge appreciation this past year, and I think, you know, every indication is we're going to have maybe a 3% appreciation for a couple of years going forward, um, which is different than, like, for many years it was, like, we were lucky if Bloomington Normal saw a 1% appreciation. We had houses that if you bought your house and you had to move again in two years and you paid 145 people would be like, why would I pay more than 145 You just paid 145 because there was no appreciation in this town. And so it is kind of exciting to see. Like I've had clients that have purchased in the past couple of years that sold and just made a ton of money and did literally nothing to the house. That's and crazy. they just got so lucky on the timing for yeah. them yeah that's 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 super interesting to me just like the opportunity that exists for people that can make it happen well um, people are like you know they might be retiring early they're moving yeah because they just realize oh i can work from home now that's huge. so now i can go be near my daughter or my grandkids and stuff like that i mean so you've got people that are kind of rethinking this tradition or they were already life. thinking of downsizing and like what better excuse yeah. like for you know let's say you're an empty nester now and you can get a condo yeah. You like, know, but that's the one thing that I was kind of thinking about and reflecting on is I feel like I've seen, I feel like people are aging in place more now. And I think that might, this is just me thinking, but um, I feel like the aging in place is probably playing a role of our inventory shortage too, because you're not having those older people, you know, freeing up some of those family homes because yeah. they're staying in them longer. Yeah. That. I'm not seeing a ton of that. Maybe that's just not my clientele, but I feel like that's a thing because I have clients, you'll hear of people looking for those, you know, ranches with main floor laundry. Like that would be great for an empty nester or like a, a retiree or somebody. And they're hard to come by. So I think people are staying in those longer. And I think people are staying in their family houses that they were in for a really long time because they don't have anywhere to go to or they're just completely still you know, they're mobile and they don't need to change their, uh, like two story to a ranch yet or something. So yeah. I think that's going to play a role. Yeah. That makes sense. Even though we have like five new retirement homes. We do. Those we have built over the last <laughs> several, yeah. several years. I'd be We've curious built of to those. see, uh, what the occupancy of those is. Well, this has always been a community that's ranked high for retirees. Um, we have a pretty decent, um, you know, transit system, um, especially with, um, you know, the, the, you know, this better than I do, the one, the one that picks up, um, what's that called? I'm drawing a blank. The one that will pick you up door to door. Oh, um, what? Connect uh, mobility. Yeah. Is that <laughs> Why am I blanking? I don't know. I just started blanking. It's connect mobility, right? Is yeah. that what it's called? Okay. Um, so I mean with that. I've been off the board for one year. And I know. I just so lost it Monica was on the connect transit board. That's why I was looking at her for, for help that she gave me none of. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we have a pretty decent transit system. Obviously we have two really great hospitals here. Yeah. Um, and everything's fairly close. Like it doesn't take an hour and a half to drive across town. Yeah. So um, this is always ranked pretty high. And like, especially, 
if you're retiring from a Chicago, Indianapolis, St. Louis cost of living yeah. and, and those type of things, and you're still close. Um, I'm curious, like, if COVID, how that affected nursing homes. Because obviously I think they got such a bad oh rap because of yeah. all of the, like, really high infection rates. And I wonder if that was impeding people, like, going there or not. Yeah. I don't – I mean, they did. They got it. I mean, that's where most of the outbreak, yes. uh, at least here locally, a lot of the numbers came from nursing homes. So I'm curious if there was, like, maybe a backup of, like, people that were thinking about going into <sighs> there and then didn't. And I can then... tell you uh, insurance numbers because I, I, I look at a lot of insurance reports because of my job. Um, things like long-term care insurance, um, those went up in purchases because of the flexibility that allows someone to stay home and have someone come Yeah, I mean, I used to work in senior services, and our whole thing was it's so much cheaper to bring somebody in to do non-medical tasks or, you know, even the medical stuff. Yeah. So much cheaper to age in place and have, you know, bring people in for services than the cost of an actual facility. Yeah. Whether it's assisted, supportive, or... Um, nursing. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a big deal. Was was the increase in long term care purchases just because or long term care insurance purchases um, because of COVID? Just to make I think it opened people's eyes. Like I want to have that flexibility. I don't want to have to go into a facility. Yeah. Um, if I don't, if I can help it. So yeah, yeah interesting. Um, how things shift because of one crazy COVID year. So. Yeah, so very specific. You know set of circumstances that I don't think well I don't think any of us were prepared for no but uh, again you made 2020 your best year um, since you've been a realtor which is pretty awesome so how's 2021 looking uh, it's shaping up pretty good I kind of found my um, my sweet spot where I could sell more but my quality of life goes down and so I'm trying to find the balance. And so, um, yeah, I'm pretty close to on par with what I think I did last year. Um, the difference is I have two team members now. So for me, having them produce um, and letting me coach them and take a step back is more appealing than breaking my own back. For sure. You know, um, so I like watching. I mean, that's why I have a team is I like watching them grow. And, and it's a short-term sacrifice for long-term gain too, right? Like you won't have to keep doing some of the things you're yeah, working so, with. Yeah, so, yeah. I brought um, one agent at the beginning of the year and then one just now. So it requires a lot of training time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they, they reach a point where you can kind of step back a little bit more. You know, you kind of take the training wheels off and let them go. Um so that really, it's kind of stressful at the time. <laughs> like the last two weeks have been, or one week, I don't know how long it's been, but um, I've aged in dog years this past week just with the market the way it is and then bringing on somebody. But again, we watch for those opportunities, and I had an opportunity that I didn't want to let go. So Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So um, one of the things that you and I, I think, have in common is we try to, we tend to be fairly positive, at least um, outwardly, <laughs> about goals and those I'm type of things. We'll outwardly to each and other inwardly. Is what I mean. Like, okay. It's not that we can't be negative. We just try, like, we find the people that we know are going to listen to us and then tell us to, you know, stop whining and get to work. Um, so goals is a big thing that, that you and I talk talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, and having coming off 2020 into 2021, 
what's your process for making goals? Do you, are you the typical, like write them down, stick them somewhere? Do you share them with somebody? Do you have them in front of you all the time? Do you say them and forget them? Like (laughs) what's your process? Uh, So I usually start planning for the next year in like October. (laughs) I get very excited. I like doing these things. So like I start analyzing and doing my numbers in like October and November to kind of gauge how I'm ending the year and then yeah, what I want to do because... It, December's probably pretty, pretty slow. Yes. Yeah, right? So um, the weird thing for us is, you know, if I put a house under contract now, I'm not getting paid for 45 days. So to me, I kind of have to start before the year because it's the stuff that I close starting January 1st. So that's the, the work I'm doing in November and December. Yeah. So it is kind of a delayed gratification thing. Um, so it's weird because I'm like, oh, sold, 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 but they don't close for 45 days. So, uh, but yeah, I, I just get excited. So I do start a little earlier than most people. Um, I have a, an amazing managing broker who geeks out over all of this type of stuff with me. So I get pretty excited to go sit down with John and, you know, start rehashing. I love being able to see like where my business went and like putting those numbers right next to each other and just watch like, okay, this went up, this went down and real. And now that I have several years under my belt, I can actually get a really good idea of like where things are going. So, um, yeah, I write them all out. I go over them with John. Um, my team's aware of, you know, the goals, and I check in. I'm always doing year-to-date comparisons, so I'm always looking to see where I'm at. Um, but the hard thing, I can't be too hard on myself because of the way real estate is. Like, currently, I'm technically behind where I was last year, but it's because I have several buyers that can't find what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So if all things being equal, those people would be under contract. So I can't get mad at myself that I'm like, oh, I'm behind I have all this pent up, you know, these buyers that, you know, can't find what they're looking for kind of thing. So I can catch back up relatively. It could be, you know, this weekend just goes bam, bam, bam. And there's a lot of things that are outside of my control that I've learned I have to relax about, which I'm not good at. But John often reminds me, you know, when things are slow to be okay with that and to enjoy the time I have off and then know that I have enough business coming in. It's to do that, but does yeah, that answer your question. I think so, but <laughs> I want to. I want to go back to goals, but I, I want. I want to talk about something else you brought up too, and I just lost my thought. Uh oh. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it was. See, I had a pencil here, and I was going to write it down. I was like, no, I'll remember. I'll bring it right up, and then I lost <laughs> it. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go back to goals. And what about personal goals? Because um, you talked, you know, professionally how you grow from there. Um, yeah. Do you do personal goals at the same time? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm always thinking like my big why that's always, you know, Simon thing. sale. Yeah. Sales are like, okay, you're gonna make X amount of money and you know, they're quantifiable, but then there's the, why am I doing all of this? Uh, and for a long time it, you know, I have a, my mom died when I was 23 and she was 54 and she died always kind of waiting for a man to pay for stuff for her because she didn't really have she didn't have her own education that you know that gave her a good job I mean so she was not making a ton of money when she died and she always lived her life waiting for my dad or her new boyfriend to pay for stuff for her so it was very 
important for me that I would never rely on my husband to pay for stuff for me. Um, there was periods of time where he obviously made more money than me. He's an attorney. But then my goal became, I want to out-earn him. And man, do I love out-earning him. <laughs> and he kind of loves it, too. Like, he's, I'll always threaten him. Like, well, early on, I would threaten him, like, oh, I'm going to make more money than you. And he's like, okay, go for it. <laughs> like, there, there was no threat there. Like, yeah. we all win. Um, so, but it was important for me to have that um, just know that I can take care of myself kind of thing. And I don't plan on ever divorcing Tristan, but, you know, things happen. So it's just nice to know that I have my own skills to support myself if you know, I ever needed to. And that's my, you know, childhood drama it, that I have to deal with. It's funny, like, every a lot of successful people, I find their why or what drives them is some kind of chip on their shoulder. Like yeah. something that... Um, was maybe it like can be can be perceived as a negative that they're like is what drives them like yeah. I, um honestly like I, I I'm a sports person and I know you're not you're not as much so um I'll try I'll try to be high level here but like the Michael Jordan documentary um that that got put out last year it a, a repeated thing that happened is every time someone like he could be having a Jordan would be having a bad game and then the other team would say something to him and like he would just use that like no other athlete could mm. use that to drive him and be successful. Um, Like I I remember one story where um, a coach that from the opposite team they were playing, he saw at a restaurant the night before the game and the coach snubbed him and didn't say hi. And like most people would be like, you know, whatever. But he's like, he didn't say hi. He disrespects me. I'm going to go score 80 points on him the (laughs) the next day. Like it's always some kind of chip on the shoulder that drives people. Um, For me, like it's always been a feeling of not being good enough. Like I just want to, I think I have to prove everything to everybody all the time. Um, but that's where I find it. And I don't know. I just think that's super interesting and successful. Yeah, people. I get that. Too. Like, so when I started in real estate, I remember talking to John and we talked about like, you know, who do I know in town? Like, I didn't know really anybody. And John always is, he loves telling the story, but like he, he uses the sports analogies too. And he <laughs> said I was not a top draft pick or whatever <laughs> yeah. um, because you kind of are like, oh, you don't seem to know anybody. Um, but he realized with me that you don't need to know everybody in town because a lot of people, a lot of realtors know, everybody knows 20 realtors. Well, they all hang out together, and then your realtor circles are all overlapping. Like, I just happened to be in a different place, and I had something else that was driving me, and I was going to figure it out, and I wasn't going to let the fact that I didn't know anybody. And now everybody knows me. I mean, not everybody, but, like, I'm comfortable with the amount of people that know me. (laughs) But you're very very purposeful about where you spend your time. Like what I mean by that is you think I'm going to market this way or I'm going to be in this group or this club that not a lot of other realtors are in. Like you, you're yes. purposeful about that. Like I, I did the same thing as an insurance agent. I was like, where's everybody else at? All right, I'm going to go this way. Then. And I was say like, I kind of dumb lucked into that. Like my first, the group that originally kind of really helped with my business was a women's group. And I legitimately joined it. It was before I even did real estate. It was when Tristan and I were getting married I didn't have any, like, all of my friends from college moved away. Like, I went to Wesleyan. I stayed here. They all left. So, like, my friends left. So then all of our friends are a couple friends, and I realized I didn't have any, like, girlfriends. So I joined this women's group to have some of my own friends, and I did it with the purpose of I just want friends. And then when I became a realtor, I had this huge group of women that also apparently didn't know any realtors. Because they were kind of new to the area, and so that's why they're in this group trying to make friends. 
And then it hu- became a huge, I mean, like, I did the math on the amount of money I made from that group, and I, it was astounding to me. And it's all because I just wanted to be friends with people, and they happened to not know any realtors. Then I caught on and then became very purposeful of making sure I was in different groups. That that thought process is almost identical. I know you and I both read a lot of business books and stuff, and, and I can't remember off the top of my head which one this came from, but when I first started uh, in insurance, I was the same way. I, I lived in Bloomington, but I always worked in Peoria, so I didn't know a lot of people. Um, so I read a book on networking. And it said, stop trying to sell everybody. Just go and make, make as many friends as you possibly yeah. can. And that, that was my thought process. That's was, what I tell my team all the time. Like, I don't want you to go sell yourself. Don't bring up real estate. Just go make a friend. Like, I'm gonna, I actually was thinking about in our new office, like making a, a sign or something that said, like, go make a friend today or something. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. I just want you to genuinely be nice to people and it's and karma. be authentic and yeah I mean if, if you be yourself make a lot of friends you, then you're going to attract the same type of people which is going to make your job a lot more fun right I love my job because it's all like yeah like I had one um, one friend from this group that this women's group she referred me to one friend and we became and I helped them buy their house we became such good friends they referred me to another couple we became friends. They referred me to another guy, and we're friends. And now I have this huge train of people that I really enjoy as people, and we have this great, like, common, like, connection. And I'm, like, the group's realtor. And you know, like, any time, like, I know they're going to refer me all the time. And I love getting to see them. I love hanging out with them. If they ever want to move, like, I'm going to be so pumped to, like, get to work with them again. Like, I that's the kind of business I will do the rest of my life. Like, yeah. I love that. And it's so much easier than the alternative, which is usually like some kind of cold calling or yes. direct mail or something. And not, not that those aren't important pieces to probably any business. Like there's a certain time for that. Yeah. When you're getting started, like, yeah, that I did that yeah. for a couple of years, but then yeah, getting to kind of refine, like if I get to choose where my business is coming from, uh, yeah, I'm going to choose the crazy cat lady friend who, you know, like we're gonna send Snapchats of our cats all day long. Like, right. hands down. <laughs> yeah, cats. That's, that's something we haven't talked about. Is your love for cats? It's on your business cards, right? It is. Uh, it. I don't know how it really kind of <laughs> start. You know, it's one of those things that just kind of. Well, here's how it started. So I was thinking about my logo, and I was. This is when I was making. Like it was just Monica, and I was looking at. You know, what do I want to do? And I thought, okay, picture of a house. That's kind of like. Duh. Like, you got, I, <laughs> you I want houses. people to know, like, yeah, I saw a house. Because sometimes you look at logos and you're like, what do you do? There, There's a one broker in town that some of those, they're like individual realtor logos are. Yeah, you're like, what? I can't tell. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need a house. But then I was like, what's important? It's not the house. It's not the size of the house. It's not how much money you spend on the house. For me, it was what's in the house. And for me, I have two cats. <laughs> I also have a husband. I was not about to put his little face that would have been in the great, window though. of the house. I thought that would be too confusing. A little creepy, maybe. Well, I'm like just I'm a, Tristan's like silhouette, right? And like I'm a girl, and like why is this guy? Why is this furry little like emoji guy in this house? <laughs> so, <laughs> if you know Tristan, you get that. Yeah. But um, so I was like, I put these little cats in it, which is kind of, and I think it's a nod to like my playfulness. Like I don't take myself like super seriously. So like yeah, I have like little drawings of cats in a picture of a house, yeah. and then. 
our good friend Ben Matthews took the logo and elevated it a little bit so it looks a little bit more um, professional. Polished. But, yeah, polished. The idea is still, to me, it's what's inside the house. So that's my reminder, and that's why the cats kind of became such a part of the brand. But you know what? You've done a good job with it. People, like, I mean, people send me so much cat-related, like, cat house-related stuff. I get all the time. And I unknowingly created this really strong connection. If you, other realtors even, they see a house and a cat thing, they send it to me. And so I don't even have to do the work of branding myself anymore. It's, like, ingrained in people. And there's plenty of other realtors that love their cats. It you, just you need the Monica Bullington team cat collars. Hand them out to. <laughs> okay, there's a that's where your marketing you. genius comes into play, <laughs> yes, Justin. There it is. That's my next thing. <laughs> That'd yeah. be fun. And like you know, Colleen and uh, Anna, my other agents, and even Kelly, they have dogs. So I'm not like totally against dogs. I'm not a. I'm a dog person. I like your dogs, um, but like dogs in general, not my thing. But so that that's why the cat thing is is there but it has actually proven very effective I've gotten referrals based on my Zillow profile where I mention my cats and that's how I get business too so if I am getting a stranger I already know they love cats and we already hit it off and like the first thing we talk about is like what's your cat's name which is huge like in any sales uh, which which I've been in a couple different industries with sales like find common ground yeah and you already did that. Like yeah, so like them. my bio, if you read my bio, you know who I am already. And yeah. so you call me and it's like we pick up like nothing ever happened and <laughs> yeah. we're just old friends because you already know such much, so much about me. Let's plug your uh, your rental property since we're talking about cats. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yes, I do have a um, – we, we bought a duplex in Milwaukee. And because we like cats and it's Milwaukee, we call it Meowkey. And you've made it an Airbnb, right? Yeah, so um, our unit, when we're not there, is an Airbnb. So you can um, rent it out. And we do bring our cats. So, like, full disclosure, if you're, like, deathly allergic to cats, they get, it gets cleaned, obviously. But I feel like people should know that. Like, But if you're allergic to cats and you decide to stay at a place that's, like, cat m- marketed yeah. as meow, me- meow- 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 meowkey. That's hard for yes. me to say. Meowkey. Like, yeah. yeah, then you deserve to, like, get a cat hair in your throat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you can rent our cat-themed Airbnb. I think it's tastefully done. We can't, I tried to, like, limit, like, it's not too much, but it's 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 there. The people stay there that don't necessarily love cats as much as you, and it's okay. Yeah, like, right now there's, like, three 60-year-old British guys staying there. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they were British until... I could hear them talking. We have, like, a ring camera over the, like, uh, driveway. Yeah. And so we heard them talking. I They might be Australian. One of them sounds Australian. The other one sounds British. But anyway. Would it be funny if they were faking that just because they knew there was a ring camera there? <laughs> that's that's something me and my friends would do. <laughs> like, let's make these people when think we we're... go outside, we only talk. And one of them gets, is like, he's trying to do British, but it comes out Australian. Yes. Yes. Like, he's trying real hard. They're like, no, dude, that's not it. No, you're not there. But maybe they'll think you're Australian. So, yeah. If you want to go hang out. In Milwaukee, we have a great place up there. Yeah, and it's close to like a Everything. lot of awesome stuff. It's close right? to downtown. You can uh, walk to the river. It's like a ten minute walk. We live right by this park. You can go up and see this the city. You can see the lake from the top of the park. Um, yeah, and Milwaukee is just not that big. Like I think people think 
it's closer in size to Chicago than it really is, but it's like 600,000 people. So it's really not that big. So you can get anywhere in Milwaukee, like driving even in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like how, big, how big is St. Louis Metro? Uh, I don't know. It's got to be bigger than that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Milwaukee's actually not that big, and I like that about it because I feel like it's a more affordable, friendly version of Chicago. St. Louis metro area is 2.8 million people. But Milwaukee metro is probably bigger than that. Right. Or not, well, not maybe bigger than that, but bigger than 600,000. So you mean you do St. Louis proper? Yeah. That'd be, That'd be a, a better, better comparison. Comparison. Because that's the only number I know from Milwaukee. Uh, okay, that's that's actually smaller. It's two hundred ninety-four thousand eight hundred ninety. Really? Yeah. Oh, fun fact. But like, I feel like St. Louis seems more sprawly than. I, well, yeah, I was thinking like the St. Louis is proper. It feels tighter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, so yeah, I don't well, know. Well, and like I grew up in like the Illinois suburbs of St. Louis, so right. really, if I don't know, you think they count Illinois? stuff in there? Probably in the metro they would. Yeah. But. Because that's quite sprawly. Yeah. If I lived in Illinois and they still counted us. <laughs> they still counted us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, like, we lived just, I grew up just east of East St. Louis, so okay. we were probably a 20-minute drive from, like, downtown. So is investment property something else you want to continue to do? Yeah, I think we would... We are kind of always talking about it. Um, we had our eye on our neighbor's house behind us for a while, but it turns out when he died, uh, he was a hoarder, and so the house is in very not good shape. Uh, so Get maybe it for not a great that price, one. probably. Yeah. Um, before he died, the roof leaked and the basement leaked, according to his friend. And so now that it's been vacant for a long time, I in the big flood, I'm very scared of what his basement would look Ooh, like. Oh yeah. So maybe not that one, but yeah, I think we would get another, like, we're not like itching, but if something came up, I could see us being like, yeah, we would do that. It's the smartest way to do it, right? It's just to put yourself in a position where if an opportunity comes up, you can take advantage of it. Yeah. Like we literally drove by a house today and we were like, well, what if we did that? And we kind of like thought about it for a minute and we're like, no, you know. So yeah, we're not going to try too hard, but we're open. A lot of realtors get into investment property and stuff, which makes sense. I mean, yeah live and breathe it every day and yeah. see those opportunities probably more than others. Yeah, and I never thought that I would. So, but the reason we bought Meowki was really for us, and yeah. so now we have a way to pay for our own vacations to Milwaukee. So, and you got a great because I if I remember right, you were originally not necessarily so you got you said you bought a duplex and one of them's rented all yes. the time. Yes. So, we have a a tenant our mortgage with our interest and everything is 700 bucks and he pays 600. Yeah. And then so far, our Airbnb has gone bananas this year because everybody's been cooped up. So we've been booked. We're a new Airbnb, and we've been we're booked basically all of July. But we've been booked every weekend um, since we opened it in May, and we're gonna make more in like four months on the Airbnb unit than we will on our tenant the whole year. But I mean, it's obviously more gonna pay for itself, obviously very right. easily, but. Um, yeah, we were excited that that worked out because we originally were looking at like a condo, yeah. But then realized that you nobody al- allows short-term rentals in condos or cats. Yeah, you were always going to do the Airbnb thing, right? Like, like yes, Tristan wouldn't let me buy a place unless we like had a way of kind of paying for it. Yeah. Um, it seemed um, and you said very luxurious to just buy a place that like 
was never used kind of thing. So yeah. we wanted to be smart about it. So, yeah, um, we wanted a condo. We wanted mostly because we wanted something easy. Yeah. Um, and then we wanted to bring our cats, and we wanted to be able to rent it out. And it became very clear that Milwaukee does not really allow either of those things. Yeah. So then we had to pivot. And most of their properties, like in Milwaukee proper, are multifamily. So. Yeah. And we got one... I mean, it just was perfect. It wasn't too big. There's no real maintenance. Like, it's the house and the driveway. Right. There's no yard to mow or anything, which I love. Yeah. So do you think if you did get future rentals, you think you'll stick closer to Bloomington Normal? Yeah. I think we would do a Bloomington Normal one. Um, The Milwaukee one is great, but it is a little bit more stressful because, like, we need to change the shower curtain. Our last guest was like, um, it's looking kind of grody, which is, like, super embarrassing, obviously. So we're like, um, well, we can't, like, get up there to fix it. Fortunately, the guest that's coming in a couple of days actually know her, and so I'm going to, like, Amazon <laughs> the shower curtain to her and beg her to change it out for me so yeah. that the next guest isn't, like, grossed out by our shower curtain. That's interesting because, I mean— you haven't had it for that long, but, like, that many different guests coming in there, yeah. it's interesting. Like, well, so, But that's a lesson learned. Like, now you know, like, every, whatever it is, six yeah, months. Yeah, and I think it's because it's not used like it's their personal home. Like, that's true, yeah. You know, people, if I were showering there every time, you know, I have certain things I do with my shower curtains so they don't get, like, gross, right? Yeah, yeah but when it's a renter like they don't care right if they even close the door or like close you know yeah so it just gets speed up differently um yeah. so yeah. i mean yeah it's just it's interesting lessons learned it's not on my radar like i have like <laughs> months of like shampoo conditioner soap like dusters all that stuff laundry detergent tons of extra towels didn't think that in three months i was gonna well to be fair i guess we bought the shower curtain in like october yeah. Um, and we, for four months, five months, would go up there once a month. So, like, I guess it could get a, could have started getting gross. Like, you know, it's just things like that uh, you yeah. don't think about. So That's funny. Anyway, if you rent Miyaki, the shower curtain will be clean, I promise. <laughs> Problem fixed. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> Unless you're the British guys there right now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, well, guys. Maybe they're British. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> So what else besides, we've been talking real estate for over an hour. So what else besides real estate is going on with your life? Uh, well, I finally got my house put back together after my tree, my lightning tree. Oh my yeah. um, so last year in July. I feel like that's been forever. It's not, I, it's not even <laughs> been a full year. July 15th, 2020 was when we had the lightning storm and we had a big catalpa in the backyard of our house that got struck by lightning. And it was... And when you say big, like... like it, it was... It was one of the biggest trees in Bloomington Normal. Yes. It was very... I mean, it was six feet around, so I would say. Diameter, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Diameter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was good at it once. But yeah, so huge tree, and it just shaded the whole backyard. I mean, we loved that tree, of course. And yeah, it got struck by lightning, and then we had some um, patio lights, so tip for those of you that have patio lights, don't uh, run your patio lights from your big giant tree to your house and your fence because electricity will travel and then blow up your fence and part of your house. So uh, yeah, we replaced the roof, we replaced the fence, the hot tub got replaced, um, some of the electronics in the house got replaced. 
We had the fire department there twice that night to check for fires. And your insurance agent. And my insurance agent brought me food. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so it's taken over a year, well, about a year to replace, because obviously the whole backyard was like this root system of this tree. So then we put a patio down and grass seeded and did all that. So now I have a, a nice backyard again. You do have a nice backyard again, and it's just funny how nothing like you would have ever imagined that backyard being a year ago. No. Because <laughs> you had a huge tree right I had there, a right? huge tree, and just everything revolved around that tree. And then all, when it was gone, I mean, it was naked back there. Like it, yeah. And we happened to have also done some, like, trimming on the bushes and stuff on the side of the house. So when all of that was gone, it was very weird back there. Um, But yeah, we spent a lot of months like not going outside, which is sucked because during COVID, like all you want to do is like, at least I can go in my backyard. Oh no, it was a disaster. I mean, it cost $14,000 to remove that tree. Thank you, insurance, country financial. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it didn't cost me that, but still, Jesus. So things you don't think about. Um, yeah. I mean, basically, it, it could have fallen on our house or the neighbor's house or I the other neighbor's would house. Have been just disaster. Yeah. That size of a tree, right? Yeah, it would have been very, very bad. So, but people are like, why didn't you say that? Like, you maybe could have. Like, the stress of that. So, like, maybe, especially we had that derecho or whatever. That like, remember that high speed storm that came through? Do you remember? No. Oh, it was it was after this had happened. It was like maybe August of last year, where that like huge wind front or something came with the storm. It, like it was the highest speed okay. storm, whatever. I don't. Other people will know. Yeah, anyway, sure. we were so glad the tree was gone by then because we were confident that that high speed of a storm would have right. caused huge damage with that tree falling on more of our house. So and the ice storm. That we had and probably. then there was the ice storm, yeah. and then I got screwed again. <laughs> Trees are beautiful until they mess up all of your stuff. Yeah, I had the ice storm cracked, branch fell and cracked a piece of my siding. Yeah, so yeah. I, and I still don't have, my siding is still not fixed, but hopefully soon, maybe, I'm told. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So what other? So I mean, a lot of that's you remodeling bathroom. I know too. So, but but you're doing a lot of like house stuff. Yes. Yeah, so Your house stuff. Other people's over, house stuff. Yeah. It's <laughs> apparently all I all I do and talk about. Um, nothing else. No hobbies. Uh, fixing my backyard is like my that's biggest hobby. hobby. Yeah. Um, like I haven't even been bike riding. Like I haven't, yeah, I haven't done this year. Between like which is weird. It's been a gr- decent year for it. Yeah, I feel like a couple months was good, but then lately it's been so rainy. And we took our bikes and our helmets up to Meowki, and we left them there so we could ride up there. And then I didn't have a helmet down here for a while, so that hindered the bike riding. But, yeah, I mean, we spent the whole winter working on Meowki. We'd go up once a month, and we would, like, reconstruct the house and paint and all that. If people are looking for someone that lives and breathes houses, I guess I am a good example you of are that. A good example. In- yes. Investments, personal, cat themed. Got it. Cat themed. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Any? Uh, what book are you reading? We always like to talk about that. Oh, um, currently I'm reading "Surrounded by Psychopaths." <laughs> I'm also reading a money book as well, which is "Your Money or Your Life," which is basically a trade off of. Yeah, like how much are you making, how much time are you putting into actually working, all the things that go into it, um, which is always super interesting when you're a 
independent contractor, and there's lots of things that can kind of be considered work for me. There's no, there's no like clock in and out, right? You're yeah. So it's like, oh, I want to like, there's this networking event. Like it's, it's kind of a fun thing that I want to do, but it's also like a work thing. So such an evil trap. Like I, I, yeah. I stepped away. I was, you know, was an independent contractor as an insurance agent up until October last year. And after I stepped away, I realized how much that like really sucked energy from me. Yeah. At first it gave me energy. I got, uh, but then there was some point where I felt like I had to go to everything and, and be everywhere. I think that's what like COVID did for me is like all that quiet time where I really learned like, what do I want to do with my time? Yeah. I became much more um, critical of how I spent my time. So I, I didn't add in all of that stuff back. Like I was, if I went to something that I had a purpose, like I really want to go because I want to catch up with Justin or something right. like that, you know, but yeah, I definitely am more critical of how I spend my time. I like, I, like I'm still involved in a lot of the same things I was, uh, when I was an agent, but I'm much, it's much easier for me to say no to some things because I don't have a work purpose. So yeah. it's, it's sincerely like, Hey, I want to go have a conversation. I want to talk to these people. Yeah. Um, with all the different groups I'm in, it's just nice to be able to make that option where before I always felt guilty if I didn't, yeah. um, missing an opportunity or something. Yeah. So. I still deal with that, but I definitely think COVID has made it better for me. So what's the psychopath one? So, um, <laughs> got a good title, which usually that's how I buy my books. So. I think that's probably how it got me. So originally he wrote a book called Surrounded by Idiots, which I didn't read, um, but I found this one and it's basically, um, if you're interested in like uh, personality like profiles like the disc is what he really uses so based on your personality um, what are the ways that you're most likely to get manipulated or use manipulation um, as well so like we're both eyes which is influence so we're very social and have a lot of those um, outgoing we make people feel good we talk to them like you know very chatty that kind of stuff um, but so it just kind of breaks down those manipulation techniques and, like, how to look out for them. Um, that's been pretty interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of what else it goes into, but I think that's primarily its whole focus. That sounds interesting. Is it easy read? Some of those can be more Yes, difficult. it is really, yeah. And you don't have to read the first one. I think the first one probably goes super in-depth with, like, disc stuff, but... He does enough high level, like so you understand if you don't really know a lot about discs that you you don't feel like you missed anything. Like he'll catch up on that. Um, but like he said something like two to four percent of the population are psychopaths. And um, like the highest um, like occupations are like business owners slash CEOs, which I'm like that, I think that includes like realtors because we're kind of like our own little business owner side. Right. Just like yeah, maybe there's some in there. You are CEO of the Monica right. And then the second one is lawyers. So obviously, I'm like, and Tristan's like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, I'm sure there's a ton of psychopaths that are lawyers. So what was uh, I'm trying to remember the movie American Psycho. Wasn't he an yeah. attorney, or was he not? A, or he might have been a marketing guy or something. I don't remember. Guy. He was a bit much for me. Yeah, it's a, creep, it's a creepy movie, but yeah. I like it. I, I watched that many years ago. I, I'm not one to usually watch movies again anyway, especially not probably yeah. one like that. But yeah, so that's um, what I'm currently. Right on. One of my current reads. I'm always in between a couple. You are. I always enjoy when you share your books. Um, 
just some of them sound more interesting to me than others, but yeah, we we, yeah, we, we do have an overlap. We do. We like our personal development and yeah, that kind of stuff. Some of the business stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, for sure. I'm reading, uh, I, I'm, I can't remember the title of it, but it's, I read my first fiction book. I mentioned that on a podcast a couple weeks ago um, while I was on vacation and I'm reading the follow up to that. So I'm reading my second fiction book. So proud of you. I know. I know. An exciting summer for you. <laughs> this one is uh, like the first one I buzzed through really fast. Um, I think partially because I was just on vacation. Yeah. Like, like this one, it's a little, sl- I mean, a little slower. I'm still a third of the way through in like a couple of days, but yeah. it's, uh, it's a little tougher. But fi- or nonfiction, I love. That's what I usually read. Um, try to read at least one or two books a month. But I am also just speaking, this kind of goes along with like not going to an event that I don't want to. I'm also much quicker at quitting a book. I used to always think I yeah. have to finish a book. I get on Tristan about that all the time. He will finish a will. book and he will say he's not enjoying it. And I will say, stop reading it. He can't. I used to be that way too. I used to, just, I'm like, no, I started it. Like I, I felt like I, I would waste the time I already put into it if I quit. Yeah. Um, but someone else, uh, it was a, it's a stoic thing. I've been reading a lot about stoicism. Um, thanks, Eric Rankin. Um, but it, one of the stoic um, people that I follow said, 100 pages minus your age. That's how many pages you give a book to like it. Oh, that's It's really not a lot. Random. <laughs> he goes, it's not a lot, and it shouldn't be a lot. He's like, so if it doesn't have your attention, like get rid of it. Why are you wasting your time? And, yeah. And so I've been following that with some of my nonfiction books, which helped me get through a lot more books. Yeah. Cause like when you find one you like, it's easy. It's yeah. the ones that you struggle to get through that make things hard. So. Yeah. I, I'm not embarrassed about dropping a book. Like if you are not interested in me, like I'm not going to waste my time. And Tristan is currently reading one. He's like, look how far I got in this book. I don't like, and I'm like, I am not proud of this. Like stop reading it. But yeah. It's a, I don't know what that, again, I, it's like proving that you could do something like everybody knows I can read. I don't know why, <laughs> I don't know why I have to prove that to people, but it is something along those lines. So, yeah. All right. Well, we have been going an hour and a half. Um, so that's pretty good. I think. Okay. I mean, you and I could talk forever. Well, I was going to say, much, this is the first time we've recorded it. Yeah. I don't Probably know, for the best. I don't, it's true. <laughs> I don't know how much people would want us to keep going um, when we start talking just random stuff, but I think we got a lot of good information out there. So I do want to make sure we mention um, it's for the love of Bloomington.com. Is that correct? That's correct. That's my website. And then um, probably more, honestly, where people are going to find you is Facebook and Instagram. So what are those? Uh, well, just like search Monica Bullington. Yeah. All right. I mean, like, I don't know. I have handles, but that, like, you can search my name. Monica Bullington. Just search her on, on uh, Facebook. And that's pretty Instagram. much who I am. So, I mean, it's true. I You'll don't see really... cats. You'll see backyard photos. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much everything we talked about, you can find on, yeah. on social media. Yeah. So. You have a pretty good intro to who I am. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks so much. Uh, you helped me out, and you made sure people just didn't have to listen to me for an hour or so. That was you helpful. are welcome, everybody. <laughs> All right. That's it. Well, last, one last thing is we didn't record from Little Beaver today, but I still want to thank them. Uh, Five Finance Drive. Make sure to check them out on Facebook uh, for everything they have on tap as well as food specials. Thanks again, Monica. Appreciate you coming in and talk, chatting with us. Thanks. <laughs>